0: This is Colossians, verse 28 and 29. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully matured in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Thank you. The word of the Lord. Let me pray for us. Lord, uh, apply this word to our hearts uh, as we prepare to come to the table, uh, which You say uh, in a very mysterious way uh, you apply your grace to our hearts through this sacrament. Uh, This is not just doing some religious ritual. Uh, You promise to spiritually be present uh, when we open up your word and when we proclaim your truth and then we feed on that. So would you feed our hearts and strengthen us this morning in your name. Amen. All right. Have seat. So I want you to do something for me. I want you to think of a person in your life that you would say that person is mature, okay? I want you to think for a second about that person. You say that, that person is somebody who I look at and I say they, they're mature because Paul says they're, I want to present everyone fully mature in Christ, right? So you got that person in your mind? Yes. What are the words that you would use to describe that person? This is a small group today, so let's have small group. Gentle? Wise? Kind? Patient? Good listener? What else? How would you describe that person? Scarred. Say that again? Scarred? Scarred? Yeah. Suffered? Yeah. Joyous. Joyous? Yeah. Still growing in the Lord. S- Yes. Thank you. Humble. Re- responsible, humble? Yeah. Yes, Eli. You said that one? Thank you. Like that, humble. Uh, you know, Paul's saying here. Yeah, you know, thank you for doing that. Thank you for getting that image into your mind. Paul's saying, uh, "I have a goal for this Colossian church uh, that really had started because of the work of a guy named Epaphras, I believe." And they were struggling, and he was writing this letter, and he's saying, man, I'm fighting for something for you. I'm fighting for you to be fully mature, and I think what Donna just said is good. We understand mature not as some destination, but as some ongoing process. Like, mature people are always learning, aren't they? They're always growing. They're always uh, open to to places that they need to mature more. But just like uh, we had in the wisdom series, when I said, hey, what does wisdom mean to you? We all have Definitions for that, um, just like we did when we said, "What does it mean to be mature?" Um, and the Colossian church, um, their maturity and fully growing into what Christ has, had done for them, it was under attack. They were in a in a time where uh, they were beginning to, mostly through religious effort, which I think sometimes when we think of maturity, we can think of of. You know, I I think of these terms like almost the opposite, which is uh, grow up or stop being immature. Like, it's something that I have to do, right? And what was going on in the Colossian churches is that they were actually uh, under attack of undervaluing Christ and the work that he had done and making their spiritual maturity and making their own salvation about their work grow up, get mature, right? Do more, stop being immature. And that it was under attack, taking what Christ had done, the finished work of Christ, and lowering that and picking it up in their own effort and saying, we're going to make our own relationship with God a product of our own effort rather than staying in, his Christ, in Christ's work. And everybody, I mean, when when I ask that question, think of somebody who's mature, I mean, I would imagine that when you have that person in your mind, you want to emulate that person, don't you? Like, everybody wants to be mature. No one in here wants to be told that they're immature, do they? I want to be mature. We've all been hurt by immature people, haven't we? I mean, I've got a lot of pain in my life as a result of interacting with immature people. But we've also all been immature, haven't we? Like I've created a ton of pain in my life as a result of my spiritual immaturity. We've all hurt people, we've all been hurt. And I'm I'm encouraging us, because we're gonna go on a journey this fall to really think of um, maturity not as some destination to arrive at, Because Paul's not using that word that way, as Donna uh, pointed out in her observation. Um, He's saying, we're going on this journey into full maturity and fully maturing, which is going to be an ongoing process. And so, just to be really clear, Paul's goal for the Colossian church, you may not know this when you come to church here, but that's our goal at Midtown too. Like, I don't know if if you come to church thinking, hey, there's a goal to what we're doing here. You know, you hear us say oftentimes we don't go to church, but we are the church, right? The goal is, is that we would, like the Colossian church, become fully mature in Christ. We use the term gospel transformation in our in our uh, mission statement, right? Creating a movement of gospel transformation through multiple congregations. That's our way of saying, in our context, we desire for our people to be fully mature mature in Christ, fully mature in what Jesus Christ has done for you, because we believe that the gospel changes every area of our lives, right? Like, mature people aren't just mature in one context, right? They're mature, and they bring that maturity into every area of their life. Like, we've, we've actually spent some time as a session kind of wrestling with what are the areas of maturity in our life that we want to see Uh, be true about the people who go to our church. And we want our church to be a, a spiritually mature place, right? Where you're growing in your maturity of your relationship with the Lord. We want it to be an emotionally mature place where you're growing in relationship to yourself, to your own emotions, to your own heart. We want it to be a relationally mature place where our relationships bear the marks of maturity and health. And we want it to be a socially mature place where our maturity... And walking in what Christ has done for us is transforming how we interact with the world around us. Spiritual maturity, emotional maturity, relational maturity, social maturity. Because we believe that what Christ has done changes every aspect of our lives, not just our eternal destinations, right? That's what's true. And so we're stepping into that ongoing process Of becoming fully mature in what's already true and already been done for us in Jesus Christ. Things like, and you may not feel this way this morning, but if you're in Christ, you are holy. You are righteous. You are pure. (laughs) You have a new identity. You are a son, a daughter, a co heir. You belong. You can't fall away. You can't be lost. Sin no longer rules. Sin no longer reigns in your heart. Because Christ rules and Christ reigns. And just like Paul, that's what we are doing here is we're fighting. Do not forget who you are. Because when you forget who you are, it's as though you aren't, isn't it? When I forget what Jesus Christ has done and the position that he's moved me into, if I forget that, if I don't experience that, then I will actually live as though it's not true. So mature in the sense that Paul is, is, is saying it and using it isn't, you aren't mature, and so you do something now. That's what church is, is you go do something now to be mature, That's not what Paul's saying. It's this. It's you are a new creation in Christ because of what he has done entirely. And now, we collectively (laughs) go on this journey of growing into being the people who live in that reality of our new identity. That's what we're doing here. 2 Peter 1.3 says it like this, and this, I mean, if you've been a bit down at any time, you've heard this verse taught on, his divine power, so whose power? His, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. We have everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and his own goodness. What is that saying? He's done it all. He's accomplished it all. He's positionally changed everything for you. This is who you are now. Through these, his glory and his goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. You may walk in the reality of who you are now. Having escaped the corruption of the world, Caused by its evil desires. What's he saying? He's not saying grow up, get mature. He's saying you are mature. Now live as those who are mature. Live into the reality of who you are now. Galatians 5. Now you live by the Spirit, stay in step with the Spirit. Stay in step with who you are now. Because He's accomplished everything. All right, choose your own adventure, Acorn or Mr. Deeds? Which illustration? Mr. Deeds? (laughs) Okay, I'm kidding. (laughs) No, everybody seen the film Mr. Deeds? Yes, it's a classic B rate film somewhere in the early 2000s, Adam Sandler era. No? Yes? Don't go watch it. I mean, you could, it's pretty good. (laughs) But, you know Longfellow deeds. He's the owner of a pizza shop in a small town, and and what he comes to realize that his uncle, I believe it was, had passed away and left him at like a forty billion dollar fortune. And so he spends the rest of the movie, and it's got an interesting ending with the butler and everything like that. It's a, you know the, the the illustration breaks down at some point, but eventually he he wrestles the entire movie with. Am I just going to be this guy who runs a pizza shop, or am I going to step into the reality that I am the heir to this fortune? That now, because of the resources I have, I have the ability not just to make pizzas, I have the ability now to impact everything in this town. And it's this journey of him going on how, what does this mean now that that my identity is completely changed because of what's been done for me? I didn't do anything. You want the acorn? It didn't work? Mr. D's didn't work. Acorn illustration, okay. Well, you know that an oak tree, everything that an oak tree becomes is in that acorn, right? That when you look at it sitting on the ground there, you think, well, oh, that's just an acorn. But everything with the right conditions and the right environment, that acorn becomes an oak tree, and that oak tree drops more acorns, and that acorn can become an entire forest. It's all there in the acorn, just waiting under the right conditions to come into what it already is. It's an oak, right? Better than Mr. Deeds? Okay, yes. Yeah, do another one. It's like, uh, no. Yes. I'm sure Adam Sandler probably sang in that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You get the point. It's not, hey, become an oak. It's, you are an oak. You're the acorn. He's done everything for it. It's all right there, waiting in the right conditions to grow into what it really is, for everyone to see and impacting everything around it. That's why he says there, I want something for you. I want you to be fully mature in Christ, when I mean, we read that sort of stuff and we just kind of read over it like it's a sentence, right? It's just a sentence he's just saying in Christ. The in is important. Right? It seems subtle but it's vital. Cuz he's saying you have all you need because you have him. You are in him. That's why in John 15 he says remain in me because apart from me you can't grow into that oak. Apart from the right conditions you can't grow into the full reality of what you already are. And so maturity, when he's saying, I'm fighting for your maturity, I'm fighting for you to mature, I'm fighting for you to remain in him because in that condition, you will grow into who you are. So do you see, it, it's not about behavior. <laughs> I mean, we can think about maturity as just like behavioral aspects, like they don't get angry. Uh, when they're frustrated. You know, they stay calm. You know, we can talk about it like it's a behavior. He's not talking about a behavior. He's talking about an identity, (laughs) an identity that changes our behavior, but it's an identity first. My identity has shifted, and out of that place, my thinking and my living now flow because I'm rooted in Him. I'm rooted in his grace, I'm rooted in his sufficiency, I'm rooted in his love, I'm rooted in his power because he's done it all. I started writing, I should have said this, I usually give like, hey, here are the three points. That was the call to maturity, okay? I'm calling us. Would we value what Paul values for ourselves? Oh, yeah, I'm... I'm, That's why I'm a part of a church. That's why I'm a part of a small group. That's why I have intentional relationships with other believers who are spurring me on an iron sharpening iron because I'm growing from the acorn into the oak that God has made me. It's a call to maturity. That's what we're here. That's what we're about. And the fruit of that maturity, let me just say a few things about the fruit of that maturity because we'll look at a few things in specific in the passage, but... The fruit of that maturity is this, and and you guys said this when you described a mature person. That a mature person acts the way that you described because they know who they are. That would be one of the single greatest definitions I would give for somebody who's mature. That all the fruit that that y'all share, they're humble, they're, they're gentle, they're they're patient, you know, they're they're lifelong learners. It's because they're at peace with who they are. They're at peace with who they are. They're at peace. Even mature people are at peace with who they aren't, right? A mature person can celebrate their strengths, and they can also embrace their weaknesses, right? A mature person knows that they aren't God, right? And they don't try to be God for other people. And they don't try to get other people to be God for them. A mature person knows where they can contribute. And a mature person knows, and a maturing person, I should say maturing, person knows where they contribute and also where they have need of help because they're a part of something bigger than themselves. And because mature people are at peace with who they are, they know who they are, Their identity is secure. When you're around a mature person, one of the things that I find is that they're always focused on you. That's one of the fruits of maturity, is that their focus is not on themselves, it's on you. I'm not trying to get something from you and from this interaction. I'm actually here because I want to give something to you in this interaction, or just be with you. Mature people know who they are. Their position and their identity is secure. And so what they do in their security is they make it safe and secure for everyone around them, even if those people are insecure and don't know who they are. Isn't that true? Mature people know who they are. They know to whom they belong. They know what's been done for them and that they could never have done that for themselves. And therefore, that their life even in the hardships of their life, is a gift of God's grace. I mean, Paul, the guy who wrote this, his life, I'll just say this, it didn't go the way that he was planning on it going. If you go study Paul's life, he was definitely shooting for it to go a certain way, and God fish hooked him and said, no, 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 we're going to do something different here. And it was quite the opposite, right? He went from persecuting Christians and killing Christians now to suffer all sorts of things in order to proclaim Jesus. And Paul was saying this: when that shift happened, when, when the acorn moment happened, that grace of God, it had an effect in my life, and therefore it had an effect on everything that I did as a result of it. That grace has an effect when you understand who you are, when you're fully mature, you're maturing into who you are, it has an effect. It leads to different activity. Paul's saying this, he's saying, I actually, I work now for this maturity and you. I work not to get an identity, I work because I have one. You realize that? That every single day when you, and I walk around. We're, we're, we're working from one of those two places. I'm either doing what I'm doing today in order to get an identity, or I'm living today because I have one. And the activity and the peace and the energy will be completely different if I'm working to get one versus working to have, because I have one. And here's the effect. As Paul's saying, I've got a new identity And therefore, I'm fighting for you to stay and remain and fully mature in this new identity. And here's the effect of a mature person who knows who he is and knows who he belongs to. Mature people end up maturing other people, don't they? Like I've heard Randy say it this way, mature people in Christ change their worlds. When you plop that, whatever person you thought of Has that person had an impact on your life? Yes? Yeah. Like, I got thinking about a guy, John Moxon, you've heard me talk about this Irish guy, Northern Ireland. When I was in college, I went and lived there for a while doing youth ministry, uh, Catholic Protestant reconciliation work, and he looked like he was 102 then when I was in college. Like, he is about this tall and he's bald. He looks exactly like Alfred Hitchcock, and I mean exactly like Alfred Hitchcock. And uh, there's a big bottom lip, and he talks like this, and you know, David, you know, come here, David, let me tell you about Jesus. I mean, this guy had zero business doing youth ministry. I mean, like, If he had a giant flashing sign that said, I'm irrelevant, over his head, it would not have been inappropriate. I'm serious. Like, nothing about this guy would have made him attractive to a teenager. And yet, he had a profound impact on my life as a teenager and as a college student, and profound impact on many teenagers' lives in Northern Ireland, all because he knew who he was. I don't have to be something other than who I am. I'm resting in who I am in Christ, and as a result, as a mature maturing person in Christ, I, I profoundly impact the world around me. I mean, y- y- y'all, you wouldn't realize this, but the fact that I stand up here and do this every single week, I could attribute to that man. Like, I fell in love with the word, Because of him repeating time and time again, David, it's not black ink on white pages. It's my living Jesus. It's not black ink on white pages, David. It's living Jesus. It's living Jesus. Over and over until the point where I realized, okay, you are walking in a world where you you have none of the tools that the world says you need to do what you're doing, and yet you're doing it. You're changing the world around you because you believe that. That the living Jesus is with you, and because he has changed your identity, you are now walking in that. And that is the strength out of which you're doing what you're doing. Not your looks, not your capacity, not your gifts. That. And he changed my world. Because mature people do that. Mature people change the world of the people that they interact with. And you've got somebody in your mind right now who's changed your world because of their maturity, because they knew who they were in Christ, and they stepped into your life, or you stepped into their lives, and it changed your world. And I want to ask you this question. Who's God using you to change? We have people who He's he's used them to change us, but that continues on down the line. Maybe your kids and maybe friends or coworkers. I don't know. But if you know who you are and he's placed you in a place, he's put you in that place because as someone who is fully maturing in your identity, it will transform those relationships and those places. It can't not. Mature people in Christ change their world. And Paul was somebody who was on that journey of maturing. Listen to what he says in Philippians 3. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. (laughs) What a mature thing to say. As somebody who saw a whole lot uh, of uh, of revelations and and amazing things, I mean, he had every reason to boast, right? Right? And he's saying, I- I'm, I'm still trying to take hold of that that's already got a hold of me. <laughs> he's got a hold of me. It's my identity, and I'm grabbing a hold of him because that's who I am now. What did that look like in Paul's life? Three things, and then we're going to come to the table. Wow, I'm just getting to my three points. I'm kidding. It's not going to take that long. So he's calling. He's fighting for maturity, Right? We've just talked about the fruit of that in people's lives. Let's look at the fruit of it, three marks of the fruit of really being secure in your identity. This will help us realize in some areas of our lives, man, maybe this is the area of my life I need to grow in. All right? What does he say there? He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we might present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy... Christ so powerfully works in me. So write down these three words. Proclaim, present, and power. Okay? Proclaim. What does he say right out the gate? Because this is a mark of maturity, of someone who's on the journey of maturity. He is the one we proclaim. I love that he says we there. He doesn't say he's the one I proclaim. He's saying, "Hey, this is what's true about you and me, and we all proclaim this, right?" Why is that significant? Well, think about it this way. People on the path to maturity who are maturing, they aren't proclaimers of themselves but the Lord. Think of it that simply. They aren't promoters of themselves. Rather, they're promoting Him. Another way of thinking that is is I'm not trying to be the center of people's worlds or of my own world, but display that Christ is at the center of mine. That's my identity now. So I proclaim Him. Paul is saying He's the one we proclaim because Paul understands and knows the tendency of the human heart and the flesh apart from grace, apart from our new identity, is to move something else into the proclamation point, right? I'm going to proclaim me. I'm going to proclaim you. I'm going to proclaim this. No, no, no. He's the one we proclaim. So one of the marks, the fruits of this journey of maturity is is that my life, my proclamation, it stops being about me. It stops being about other things, and I begin to proclaim him. Him. This is my new identity. This is who I am. How about present? He says there, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. That present, that word is, is a word that's associated with like a verdict in a courtroom. I, I like I'm presenting, right? And he's saying, uh, I, I want to present you as someone who is fully mature in Christ, I want to present you as somebody who's living in the reality that the verdict is in. <laughs> that what Christ says about you and what Christ has accomplished for you, it, it, it's the verdict. And I want to present you in that reality, that you'd walk in that reality. Similar to proclaim, when he's saying this, presenting them, he's saying all of my focus is on you. So I'm proclaiming him, my focus is on proclamation of him, and now presenting my focus is on you, for you to understand who you are now. Like it's hard without going into a bunch of detail about Paul's past life, but in Paul's past life before his conversion, it was all about him presenting himself to God and to everyone else. I'm going to present myself. As, as holy and righteous and pure? Listen to what he says in Philippians 3. He says this, "...if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless." I mean, he, he's putting up his pedigree card there and saying, presenting Paul, stud, right? You guys think you got something to brag about? What about me? Well, now he's in a different place, right? His identity has shifted, and he's walking and, and growing in maturity, and now he's saying, I'm not about presenting me to you anymore or presenting myself to God anymore. I'm fighting for you to be presented in the truth of who you are and what he's done for you. You see the shift? It's powerful. I'm moving away from trying to present myself to now I'm I'm laboring to present you. I'm laboring for you to step into the identity of who you are. The whole agenda of his life got upended because of this shift. He's proclaiming him, I'm presenting you. And then he says, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy. Christ works so powerfully in me. So he's the one we proclaim. It's a fruit of maturity. We fight for people to be presented, to step into what's done, been done for them in Christ. And what do we fight with? Power. We have, and mature people have, people who understand and are walking in their new identity, they understand something. I have resources to go beyond what I think I can. Like Paul Remember, he was the one killing and persecuting and jailing Christians, and now he's the one getting thrown in jail, taking beatings, being shipwrecked. He's gone through all sorts of difficult things. And he's saying that that as a result of what's been done for me in Christ, I now, I've got resources and I'm not limited just to my own strength and my own capacity. I've got real power to step into difficult situations with a completely different capacity. Like I know, if you're a believer in Christ, you believe in the resurrection, but do you believe that there's actually resurrection power available for you today? Like, I can be raised to do what is required of me tomorrow if I die doing what is asked of me today? You have to think about that one for a little bit. that when Paul says in Philippians 3:10, He says, I want to know Christ and, yes, to know the power of his resurrection. Participate in his sufferings and become like him in his death. He's not just talking about when he dies someday. He's talking about right now. He's saying, I've got capacity because of who I am in Christ, because of this new identity in Christ. And so mature people, I'm not saying mature people don't have boundaries And mature people don't know how to say no. You do, and you should. (laughs) But what I am saying is is my own perception of my own capacity stops being the gauge by which I make decisions because I've got resources. I'm an acorn who's got oak potential, (laughs) and I'm growing into it, right? My life is now hidden with Christ and God, and therefore in Him I've got power that radically changes how I enter into my life. Paul says, By the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. What is he saying? God's grace is working in me in such a powerful way that it's changing how I proclaim, who I present, and the power by which I do it. So this is the journey we're going on this fall. I'm, I'm asking you, will you come? Like, would you consciously value your own maturing and fight for it the way that Paul is saying, I'm fighting for this for you guys. Would you dare to believe this morning as you come to the table that you're not coming to the table to do anything, but you're coming to the table to celebrate what's been done and feed on that reality because your hearts need to be fed on that reality for you to walk in that identity. Would you dare to believe even this fall that, just like Paul's saying, you can't mature without me stepping in and writing this letter, you can't mature without help. Like You can't step into that new identity alone. And so part of the reason it's so beautiful that God's given us a church body and a community is, is are your friends helping you step into the identity that is yours in Christ? I've had plenty of friends who didn't help me do that, who actually worked against that and said, no, no, pick up this identity, pick up this. That's part of why small groups or intentional relationships, discipleship relationships, are so important. You remind me of who I really am. You're the ones who contend for me to live in my identity in Him. So it's a call. Let's go on that journey together to full, fully, and we'll be doing it for the rest of our lives, and so none of you can leave. I'm kidding. Wow. Everybody's like, wow, that got weird. No. Wherever you're at in, in, in a body, that's the journey that we're on. So let's proclaim Him this morning as we come to the table because when we proclaim who he is we remember who we are we experience what's most true about us at this table and we come here to remain in him to remember him to proclaim him the table has often been called a covenant renewal ceremony it's like getting together to redo your wedding vows right when you redo your wedding vows you're not getting remarried you're you're acting out what's true we are married And at this table, we remember some things like this. He emptied himself of all of his power and became like us and took on our sin so that he could present us (laughs) a spotless, radiant bride. And he's saying, come to this table and feed on the power and the truth of that to be strengthened so that you can leave this place walking in that identity. Not as those who don't have one, who are going to go out there and work to get one, but as those who already have one, and what we do comes out of that. All right? I'm going to pray for us here in a second and invite us to come to the table. Um, Paul says to the church in Corinth, uh, hey, if you're in Christ, come. Because he says, this is my body which is broken for you at this table, and do this in remembrance of me. And he says, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim, so we get to actually practice proclaiming right now, (laughs) the Lord's death until he comes. So if you're in Christ this morning, come on. This is your identity establisher. This is your covenant renewal ceremony. Spiritually feed on the truth of who you are and whose you are. And get strengthened. It's like, you know, you can't go work hard on an empty stomach. You can't go live in your identity on a spiritually empty stomach. Come feed. If you're not in Christ, though, this morning, I have to warn you because he says, hey, don't come to this table because this table is a proclamation of that's my identity. And if you're still there in a place this morning where you're saying, no, no, I'm going to work to get an identity, spiritually, religiously, publicly, socially, whatever. Uh, I, I'm inviting you come to the Lord by faith to get the identity that all of that work is trying to accomplish but never can. Come to Him by faith and then come to the table that proclaims you have faith in Him for your salvation. All right? And for those of us who are in Christ, he encourages us to examine our hearts before we come to the table. And maybe you can just say, what area in my life do I still really need to grow in maturity? And th- there's no shame in that, right? Of course. Like an oak tree doesn't <laughs> sit, you know, sit itself down when it's 40 years old and say, I can't believe I'm not bigger. Right? <laughs> He's just growing, right? He's still growing. So there's no shame in that. Lord, show me, what area in my life? Where am I still proclaiming something other than you? Where am I still trying to present myself rather than live in the reality that I'm whole in, in you? Where am I trying to do everything in my own strength when I've got resources in you? Where? Show me. Okay, I can lay that down and come to you, all right? So I'm going to pray here in a second. When you're ready, come to the table. Open up your hands when you're ready. Uh, someone will be happy to serve you the elements. If you're gluten-free, that's on that far side uh, over there. If you need prayer this morning, uh, just cross your arms, and somebody would be happy, um, more than happy, uh, to, to pray for you regardless of what they know. You can just say, hey, I need you to pray for me. Uh, invite somebody into that. Uh, so there's people up here who are designated to do that. Um, if you're bringing your kids to the table, which is a great opportunity for them to see, uh, if they're if they're believers, they you know they participate in the uh, in the Lord's table. But if they're not, uh, you can still bring them up with you. Just help the servers know if they're not going to be partaking of the sacrament uh, this morning. But it's a great opportunity for your kids uh, to see and participate uh, in, in what you believe is true, which is, is this is my identity as a son and daughter to the king, okay? So it's a, in some ways, it's, it can even be a profoundly evangelistic opportunity with your kids, okay? All right, I'm going to pray for us. Uh, come down the middle, exit down the sides. Yeah. All right, love you guys. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you. Ah, thank you that we don't get together in this cafetorium in order to, like, whip ourselves into some frenzy of activity uh, in order to prove ourselves to ourselves or to the world around us. Thank you that what we celebrate in coming to this table is is that you've done it all. Uh, Feed our hearts on that truth Uh, now this morning. I pray, uh, Lord, uh, that you continue to grow us as a people who are maturing in you, um, that we'd bear those marks of proclaiming you, uh, fighting for the world around us to present uh, it fully mature in you and, um, and with power. I pray that this time will be powerful as we come to your table. In your name, amen.